Chapter Fourteen of Mrs. Solomon Smith Looking On by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Fourteen. I have to stay outside and just wait. It was very late that night before the house settled into quiet. The temptation was evidently strong upon our hostess to do a hundred little preparatory things in view of the next day's entertainment. "'It really seems as though I could not take time to sleep to-night,' she said to me with a nervous laugh. "'There are so many responsibilities resting upon me, and so many last things to do. Monday is a very trying day for a wedding. Some way Sunday makes an awkward break in all the preparations.' She certainly rested very little that night. The various bridesmaids were also in a flutter of preparation. They discussed, in not very low tones, the last changes in the arrangements of flowers and other bridal decorations, examined their gloves and laces, and I'm inclined to think Effie Van Horn even went so far as to slip into her little white robe once more to be sure that it was absolutely perfect. Laura turned in her bed and groaned and patted her pillow and wished they would all try sleeping for a while and give her a chance. At last they did seem to conclude to leave the excitements until Monday, and quiet settled down upon us. I hardly know how long it lasted, certainly not more than an hour or two, when the slamming of doors and the hurrying of feet commenced again. Oh, dear! Laura said sleepily. It can't be possible that it is morning. Mama, don't you get people up so early and make such a commotion when my wedding day comes? Then she opened her eyes wide. That is Auntie Smith's voice, she said. Quiet and clear it came up to us, a tone of decision and command. Sarah, stop crying and shut the door. That is the very worst thing you can do for her. Run down and hurry up the hot water and send me some vinegar. Has Jonas gone himself for the doctor? Something has happened, we both said at once, and in a moment we were dressing. Something had happened, indeed. The nervous irritability of the fair young bride-elect, which had so grown upon her for the last day or two as to be noticed by all the guests, proved to be something more than excitement. After an hour of restless sleep, she had awakened in a burning fever, and was already talking so incoherently that it was impossible to determine whether she knew in the least who she was or what she wanted. Then began a scene of unparalleled confusion. The violent ringing of bells, the distracted hurrying to and fro of many feet, the calls for this and that and the other possible remedy, the frantic appeals of her mother to each new frightened guest who appeared, as to whether it could be possible that Lita was dangerously sick, all combined to bewilder most of us too hopelessly to be of any use. It was here that Mrs. Solomon Smith's strong common sense and rigid self-control rose to meet the emergency, and served us well she took command in the sick-room herself gently and firmly held her ground against those who were eagerly crowding around the bed called laura to help her with the pillows which poor lita was tossing wildly about 
gave me a bottle with the brief command drop ten drops of that into a half glass of water and hand it to me quick and peremptorily ordered the frightened mother away from the room until she could come quietly i have rarely seen a woman so completely unnerved as was mrs jonas smith i suppose she had taken but little rest during the preceding two or three weeks and her nervous system was greatly wrought upon by the weight of care added to the weight of pain which her mother heart felt in parting from her darling she was very fond of irving very proud of him and seemed in every way to approve of the marriage and yet of course it was a hard thing to think of her one little pretty daughter going out from her old home never again to be in it a girl as she had been heretofore my heart went out in sympathy for the poor mother but she certainly was a worse than useless person in this emergency it seemed impossible for her to get control of herself she wrung her hands in helpless terror one moment was sure that lita was dying right there before her eyes and nothing being done and the next called on us fiercely to agree with her that it was nothing in the world but a severe headache and maria was making a great fuss about nothing it transpired that mrs solomon smith in groping her way downstairs in search of a glass of water had heard lita's groans and gone to her relief while her worn-out mother having but just gone to sleep slept on unheeding what a day was that i find that when i want an illustration of confusion and dismay and general bewilderment my thoughts go back to that trying time after what seemed like hours of waiting the frightened father arrived with the family physician he was one of those grave reticent doctors who waste as few words and give as little information as possible but that little in his case was to be trusted so when i heard his verdict given after a close and careful examination this is a sudden and severe attack of the fever which prevails in the southern portion of the city my heart sank within me for i had heard only the day before that the fever was increasing in violence i followed the doctor into the hall intent on learning his exact opinion it was given me with all due gravity and reticence rather it was drawn from him by careful cross-questioning it is impossible to tell madame at this early stage of the disease how it will progress or terminate yes the fever is certainly not abating in violence and the number of cases is on the increase the suddenness of the attack is a feature of the disease you are right madame it is never so sudden as it appears to unprofessional eyes being preceded by hours sometimes by days of great nervous excitement it is true that this case has commenced in an unusually violent form and there are indications of great cerebral excitement it is undoubtedly a contagious fever and it is important to expose as few persons as possible oh yes any person who has been near enough to the patient to get her breath is more or less liable to the disease still it is frequently the case that all so exposed escape it is owing entirely to the condition of the system i always have grave fears madame as to the result of such a fever 
especially when as in this case the patient has a singularly delicate physical organization on the whole i turned from him with a heavy heart i certainly had nothing very cheering to communicate to the mother and there was in my heart a sharp pain on my own account had not my laura already been several times near enough to the patient to get her breath gradually we settled down to something like the system which prevails in a family of means when sickness becomes a recognized fact yet it was in many respects the most trying day of all that we endured during this period of suffering there were such sharp and trying contrasts all over the house were hints more or less apparent of the expected festivity half-open doors revealed glimpses of soft fleecy drapery slippers gloves laces flowers perfumes the large dining-room showed in the gray dawn of the early morning preparations for special festival the long table was extended while closets left open in haste showed rows of silver and china waiting to adorn it in one closet the bridal cake had been set already garnished with its wreaths of green and beside it stood a half-empty mustard jar which had been seized upon to minister to the poor little sufferer upstairs and then set down again in haste as a more urgent call came this was a fair sample of the incongruous confusion that prevailed throughout the usually well-ordered house the guests were simply panic-stricken the story of possible contagion had spread in the unaccountable manner in which such stories always do and the young ladies of the party were literally tossing their wedding finery into trunks and distracting the already bewildered servants with urgent calls for carriages to be summoned at once that they might catch early trains there is no need for us to hasten i said to laura and i'm afraid my tone was a regretful one as i said you have already been exposed my dear if there is any danger she turned upon me eyes that were almost fierce mamma she said i would not go away now if i thought i should take the fever in the next hour and could save myself by going i think it is despicable to be in such a panic yesterday they were so fond of lida that they hung around her from morning to night to-day they think only of their precious selves an indignant girl indignant in a righteous cause is almost a pretty sight i did not have it in my heart to scold her for her vehement words there was little time for mere talk we dropped into grooves of labor before that day was done constantly people were arriving from the more remote suburbs of the city guests of the house for the day their wedding paraphernalia following hard after in express wagons these all had to be met and explanations made and exclamations of dismay and condolence listened to and hurried returns arranged for to say nothing of lunches that in common decency must be prepared for some laura stepped into this distracting gap as readily as though she had been hostess and manager-in-chief of a household for years she seemed to know by instinct just whose name to take up to mrs smith with special messages or offers of aid 
and who on no account to allow to penetrate beyond the decorum of the parlours seeing the need for a head below stairs i took upon myself the humble office of directing the servants as to lunches breakfasts and the like trying to see that in their bewilderment they did not attempt two things at once and accomplish neither as for mrs solomon smith no professional nurse could have slipped into office with the ease and speed that she established herself in the sick-room how many times during that first day did we have occasion to be grateful for her presence there the poor frightened mother did not gain better control of herself as the hours passed and it became evident that lida's was undoubtedly a sick-room and there were days and nights of intense anxiety to follow she seemed simply overwhelmed with all her planning and preparing the thought of sickness had not once been entertained now that the actual fact glared upon her and brought in its train that awful other thought of possible death a funeral instead of a bridal she was utterly crushed good for nothing at lida's bedside she could not keep from moaning and wringing her hands i have not said a word about my poor boy irving how can i put on paper the record of his distress the photograph of his utterly miserable face he hovered outside the stricken chamber like a shadow the doctor after having the state of the case explained to him shook his head gravely over the question of admitting irving counseled waiting for a day at least until they should see how the disease was going to develop it might be of the utmost importance to keep him away from the room in any case it was needless exposure to probable danger we did not tell irving that last the poor fellow would have rushed in in spite of us then to show his contempt of all possible danger as connected with himself wait for a day at least the doctor had said and he said it as if he did not know that under some circumstances a day is an eternity before the close of this day irving had expected to have had his wife by his side for ever until death do us part i thought of the sentence that had floated up to me amid the laughter of the marriage rehearsal was it possible that the dread shadow was gliding between them even then and none of us had recognized it before the first day was done irving had gone back to something of his old boyish manner with his auntie turning to me instinctively for comfort as a boy would to his mother during the intervening five years we had grown apart as mother and son seldom do but amid all the trouble it gave me a little thrill of joy to note that the first touch of sorrow brought him back to me it is not my purpose to detail all the miseries of the days that followed i could not if i would of course we calmed down from the first panic and recognized the inevitable as people always do but still it was a strangely disorganized household it was a strange thing for me to note how few friends the smiths had in their trouble acquaintances in abundance a perfect deluge of cards showered down upon them that first week many came in person expressing sympathy sincere expressions and as kindly put as they knew how 
and yet the very dress in which they came so bright and gay and suggestive of the society engagements they were even then on their way to meet left the impression of something incongruous about it all among the hundreds there was hardly one that the mother upstairs cared to hear about and not one that she expressed a desire to see this mother the doctor had taken in hand with a sort of stern courtesy had informed her that she was a fit subject for the fever would be almost certain to have it if she spent much time in the sick-room that she could do no good there she was not calm enough indeed her presence was a positive injury to her daughter after that we did what we could to keep her from lida's room of course she came and went sometimes a hundred times in a day so it seemed to us but it was true that she was too painfully nervous to be trusted to do much for poor lida who did not recognize her half the time and therefore did not mourn her absence such being the state of things laura and i the acquaintances of the day slipped into our places in the household and did not as much as mention to each other the idea of going home you are so good would the poor mother say to laura as she came quietly to her side with a message from some caller requiring attention you are so good to see all these people and dispose of them i cannot meet them not one of them only think under what circumstances i expected to meet them all when they came to congratulate my darling and now she is and the voice would falter and drop into sobs laura was good i have rarely seen a girl of nineteen show so much tact and wisdom and quiet tenderness mrs solomon smith was a perfect tower of strength every one from the doctor down deferred to her she was really the very perfection of a nurse quiet calm cheerful quick of movement catching at a flash the meaning of the patient and the direction of the doctor firm as a granite boulder when the question at issue was recognized as important yielding to the last degree when it was only a difference of opinion the doctor even took time to compliment her one morning as he waited in the hall for admission you have a remarkable nurse in there she has a faculty which not one nurse in a hundred possesses that of being able to do as she is told i have often observed that people who can do as they are told are the very ones capable of telling others it was true mrs smith differed from him quite often her notions some of them were old-fashioned and his were new i could see it in her eyes that she did not quite approve nevertheless she swerved not one hair's breadth from his directions she recognized his responsibility and his right to lead and like a soldier under orders she obeyed the summer guests had all departed of irving's special friends who had come from a distance to attend his wedding only erskine remained in the city he called daily sometimes twice a day but irving shrank from him he seemed to shudder at the thought of meeting any one who had been close to him in his happiness not the least of my duties was the trying to keep irving from utter despair 
it was very hard for him as he said to know nothing except what was doled out to him at intervals from the sick-room it is different with you auntie he said pitifully you can go in and out and see her constantly you know just how she looks and just what she says and you can bathe her head and do for her and i have to stay outside and just wait poor boy is there any harder lot in life than to stay outside and wait End of chapter fourteen